Hello everyone and welcome once again to an episode of Selling Greenville, your favorite real estate podcast here in Greenville, South Carolina. I'm your host as always, Stan McCune, realtor right here in Greenville. And as always, you can find all of my contact information in the show notes. You can reach me for anything, particularly if you need to buy or sell real estate, whether you're an investor, whether you're an owner-occupant, I handle all of that. I handle land purchases, anything like that that you need real estate related. I'm your guy. Please let me know. All my contact information is in the show notes. And I would just appreciate if you're listening to this, go ahead and hit the subscribe button. By the way, if if uh, you're using this, if you're just opening this in Apple, but you would prefer to open this on a different podcast player, go ahead and search for Selling Greenville in whatever podcast platform that you prefer. We should be on there, and if we're not, let me know. I'll get us on there. Um, But please subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Go ahead and give us a rating and a review. I would appreciate that. Particularly, I would appreciate those five-star reviews so that I can get this podcast out to more people. Now today, um, I'm really excited to talk about this. Um, I just got out of a meeting just a little bit ago with the National Association of Realtors Chief Economist, yes, the NAR, uh, has a staff economist, um, Dr. Lawrence Yoon. And uh, it was not a very long meeting, but it was very informative. I got a chance to communicate with him directly, ask him some questions, um, and I really enjoyed that. And it was really insightful to hear his perspective about 2020 and then about 2021. And... uh, and it turns out he's extremely knowledgeable, not just about the national, what's happening on the national level, but even right here locally. He talked about Greenville, Anderson, Spartanburg, uh, and we really got into um, some nitty-gritty uh, details with regard to what's happening in the real estate market around here. And uh, and and he really had some good ideas for, for what he thinks is going to happen in 2021. Uh, and so that's what we're going to talk about. We also had uh, earlier this week the Greater Greenville Association of Realtors release their market stats uh, for uh, the month of November. So they always, you know, after the month is over, usually about a couple of weeks into the next month, then they release their statistics. Um, I've got, I'll, I'll go through that a little bit with you guys so that you can see where things are tracking. But with regard to my meeting with Dr. Yoon, um, I wrote down some notes. And I just have a few things that I want to tell you guys I think you'll find really interesting. Um, We were looking at the economy, for starters, and just looking at the trend and the outlook for how things have been going. And so obviously, we see if if we go back about 20 years, we see the economy takes a really tremendous dip in 2008, 2009. Now, a lot of people don't realize this, um, but... It took the Obama administration six years to recover from uh, from what happened in 2008. So it's not until 2014 before a lot of the um, economic activity, jobs, etc., are kind of nationally back to their former level. And a lot of us experienced that in real time. I was in the workforce. I wasn't a, uh, yet a realtor. I became a realtor one year later. Um, but it took the Obama administration six years. I'm hoping that it doesn't take the Biden administration as long uh, with regard to helping the the economy recover from COVID. Um, but that's just something to keep in mind. Sometimes 
the things that are done by uh, the administration that's in power, it might not be very fast acting. Um, and, you know, you can say what you want about the Obama administration, um, whatever you think. It, it took a while. It took a while, whether that was their fault, whether that was our fault, whether that was nobody's fault. It took a while, and hopefully uh, COVID won't. The initial outlook is good. COVID has uh, not damaged the economy as much as it could have, and most of the numbers show a pretty good bounce back. Now, what Lawrence Yoon, what Dr. Yoon pointed out in particular is that the upstate is outperforming the national numbers in every way, just about every way. Um, whereas nationally, we are about 9.8 million jobs fewer than we had earlier this year. So if, if you look at uh, February, March versus now, nationally, we've lost about 9.8 million jobs. That's not good. Um, locally, particularly in the, the greater Greenville area, he didn't give us the exact number, but he showed us the chart, and basically the bounce back is just a hair behind. It might be uh, a few hundred jobs behind, uh, if that, what it was earlier this year. So the upstate has uh, really bounced back almost entirely to prior to pre-COVID levels. Now, Spartanburg isn't as good. Spartanburg is still outperforming uh, the national level, but it's it's not performing as well as Greenville. That's not super surprising. Um, Spartanburg has a lot of lower uh, wage type of jobs, and those are the ones that have been impacted the most by COVID. And so um, we are seeing that Greenville and even uh, Anderson Pickens uh, are generally doing a little bit better than Spartanburg, but the entire region is outperforming uh, the national numbers that we're seeing. Um, and here's another interesting little tidbit that he brought up. People are saving uh, a lot more than normal, and and that's a very interesting phenomenon. So uh, even the stimulus checks that were you know issued out earlier this year, a lot of people ended up saving those checks, and I think that this is a lot of people remembering what 2008 was like and realizing, hey, we, we need to hold on to this and not just you know, immediately go out and go crazy. Uh, people may have gone out and spent it on some toilet paper. It seems like everyone's spending it on that these days. Um, but people are saving a lot of their money, and Dr. Yoon thinks that once people really start to start to feel secure again, which we hope is, is sooner than later, perhaps with some of the uh, developments with some of the vaccines that are starting to be released now, people will start to feel like the world is is and the economy is kind of going back to normal. That money might, in theory, hopefully get e injected into the economy. And it's certainly possible that, that people are taking that money and, and just investing it into stocks or whatever, long-term investments where um, it won't directly impact uh, certain sectors of the economy, um, but he believes that actually it will be in injected in a very real way into the economy, including real estate, that some people have been saving up money over the course of this year, and hopefully, particularly those that, that didn't lose jobs, didn't have pay cuts and whatnot, they're actually in a better situation going into next year 
than they normally would be because they were so conservative. And now we're going to see an influx of money into real estate and into other sectors of the economy. So that, that's a very interesting, obviously a very optimistic outlook. Um, but uh, that is certainly one of the possibilities and something that he thought uh, had a very good chance of happening. Um, here's another interesting little tidbit that he brought to mind. He showed how um, basically rates of, of home ownership or, or home purchases, I should say, uh, went up and down over the years. And we saw a little dip. We started to see home purchases dip a little bit down towards 2018. And then last year, it started rebounding. And that rebound has actually continued through 2020. 2020, we are seeing record sales of houses. Despite being in a pandemic, despite I personally have clients, multiple clients that chose not to move this year because of COVID. So we've had even fewer people moving and and selling homes and whatnot than we should have. And in spite of that, we're still seeing record numbers. I'm looking at the Greater Greenville Association of Realtor Market Stats that I uh, referenced earlier. And the 12-month rolling average, we're, it, it says that we've seen a 5% gain on pending sales year over year when from November to November. And that honestly is probably quite low because what I've learned at, from reading these numbers so many uh, so many months in a row is that usually the trailing month, which in this case would be November of this year, um, usually that number is per, is inaccurate with regard to this metric, and usually it's quite low. So it it says actually that November we only had 468 pending sales versus last year's November uh, 1,051 because that's such a difference. I know that that number is not right. That number is going to get redacted next month, and what we're going to see is that percent change in pending sales is actually going to be even greater. An even greater number of pending sales in 2020 versus 2019, which is uh, which is really remarkable. Well, Dr. Yoon pointed out that the trend exactly follows mortgage uh, interest rates. And so when mortgage rates go up, home sales go down. People are a little bit more skittish, a little bit less interested in moving because perhaps they already have a great interest rate and now the rates are going up and they're like, you know what? For me to get a nicer house, I'm going to have to pay a whole lot more because not only am I paying more for the house, I'm also paying more interest to the bank. And this is, we've talked about this in uh, previous years. This is actually going to create perhaps a little bit of a problem um, a, a few years down the road from now when rates do go up because they will. They are at record lows right now. People are going to have a hard time figuring out what to do when they're ready to make that jump to the next house, but they currently have a house with uh, an interest rate of 3% or whatever the case may be. They're not going to want to buy a house with an interest rate of 4.5%. That's also $150,000 more than their current house. Um, so that might create down the road a bit of a problem the way we're seeing these trends. 
but right now it's a positive because rates are so low. So we have a temporary, uh, really nice uh, uh, push for, for people buying new homes because of lower interest rates. And he believes that these low interest rates will continue into 2021. Perhaps not as low. They, they almost certainly will go up a little bit, probably particularly if the economy rebounds more, the Fed will um, you know, do what the Fed does and tinker with the rates, probably pushing them up a little bit higher. Um, probably nothing close to what they were in 2018 when they exceeded four and a half, uh, you know, when, when uh, mortgage interest rates exceeded four and a half percent. But uh, we can expect it to go up a little bit. He didn't expect the average for the year to be very high, though. Um, another interesting tidbit. So one concern that I know that lenders have, and I've heard this concern from other people, is what about the risk of foreclosure? And I found this to be extremely interesting. Um, so obviously there is a risk. There's always a risk of people foreclosing. That's just kind of in general. But when there is a lot of economic disruption, like there has been recently, sometimes that can trigger a series of events. It can kind of be the first domino that falls that triggers a series of events that causes a lot of people to foreclose. And that's what happened in 2008. We saw a bunch of people start to foreclose in 2010 uh, and even 2011. And, um, and that all stemmed back to what happened in, uh, in 2008. Well, Dr. Yoon pointed out that we're actually in really good shape, unusually good shape in this regard, because if you look at the graph for home prices, home prices, uh, in other words, appreciation, if you want to think about it this way, the appreciation rate for houses is going up dramatically. In recent years, it's gone up very dramatically, whereas the amount of uh, financing that is outstanding, the amount of borrowed money towards homes has basically stayed flat over the past however many years, five, I think it was uh, five to 10 years, it had basically stayed flat. So what we're seeing is people are using the same amount of money to buy homes that are actually a lot more valuable. So the gap, here's, here's where people typically foreclose. They typically foreclose when they owe more on their house than it's worth. Because what happens is when they come into that situation where they can no longer afford their mortgage payment, they don't have an out anymore. Most people, if their home is, is worth more than what they owe, they have an out, right? They can just sell it at the end of the day. Um, but when your home is not worth as much as what you owe on it, you're in big trouble because now you don't have an out if you can't make your, your monthly mortgage payment. Well, Dr. Yoon pointed out because, and again, this is on a meta level, this doesn't apply to everyone, but in general, there is a comfortable margin between what uh, uh, people's homes are worth and what they owe. And so the economy and home prices could uh, diminish quite a bit before homeowners are in trouble. So we're going to see, hopefully, we all hope this, um, low foreclosure rates in the upcoming years, even if we have more economic uh, disruption, other you know potential things that could cause recessions, whatever the case may be. So um, that was really encouraging. 
Um, he touched on, um, obviously, we need, the main thing we need in order to um, help housing affordability, which is a big thing on everyone's mind. You know, uh, the the increase, the appreciation of homes is a two-edged sword because even though it will help people not be likely to foreclose, it squeezes out a lot of people from buying homes. And then we have the flip side of that, which is the housing affordability issue. Well, that's um, not being helped right now. One of the indirect impacts of the pandemic, and any one of you listening that are into house flipping or rehabbing uh, homes or anything like that know this, that the cost of lumber has nearly doubled this year. And this is something that we're just having to deal with. It's a it's a frustrating thing that all of us are having to deal with. Um, he referenced, he didn't go into a whole lot of detail, but he referenced the possibility that the U.S. might be sourcing lumber for, from some other areas in order to help ease this, this issue. Um, but we, ha- we have a lumber shortage uh, due to um, the, the lumber industry basically being shut down by COVID. Um, another little tidbit, I thought this was, I think, really significant for Greenville. There is a major trend for people to move away from cities and more into suburbs that is directly related to COVID, at least in his opinion. And what his thoughts were was was this. Basically, people, a lot of people have been needing to commute into cities for their work for a really long time. And so a lot of people just live in the city, right? So that their commute time is low. Maybe they can bike to work, walk to work, whatever the case may be. Well, as COVID has settled in and more and more jobs are turning remote, either partially remote or perhaps full-time remote, a lot of those jobs are going to stay that way. And what's happening is people are like, you know, if I can work remote, I don't need to be spending all this money to live in the city. I can go out into the suburbs and ha- and be more comfortable, be more spread out. And in some cases, those people are moving to areas like Greenville. If they can, if they don't even need to be in the same city, then they can move out of state and go to a, an area like Greenville. And he said he's seeing that very trend of people moving from California, people moving from New York, coming down to the Southeast. They have more flexible job situations. And that is helping areas like ours where, I mean, in Greenville, even though we do have Greenville City, quote unquote, but compared to a lot of places, all all of Greenville is kind of a suburban area. I mean, the vast majority of Greenville County is either suburban or rural. Um, and it's just all kind of mixed in, just the, the demographic down here. And so um, COVID has actually helped, and this is probably part of what we're seeing in some of these real estate numbers. COVID has actually helped bolster areas like ours because people are less dependent on the need to be in a big city than perhaps they were even just 10 to 11 months ago. Now, he talked a little bit about, uh, oh, actually, I should, I should go back to one more thing. He mentioned that w- with regard to housing affordability, I almost skipped this because uh, this was a question that I came back to and I, I wrote at the end of my notes. Um he mentioned that he thinks that there's going to be more construction and uh, more more homes being built next year 
which will hopefully ease some of the housing affordability concerns. And I found that to be very interesting. Well, well, how, um, where, where do you get that intel from? Because around here, we're seeing some ma- major housing affordability issues, uh, which I'll get into in a second, which uh, we've talked about before as well. Um, but we have locally and, and nationally have seen that builders are still very conservative. So he showed a chart that was a 20-year chart for new construction. And there, there was a baseline on the chart. And then you see, you know, leading up to 2008, new construction was going crazy. And then it just tailed off after 2008. And the reason is pretty simple. People were not buying new houses. Um, they, they couldn't. They couldn't even get financing on them. Well, from 2008 to 2020, you see that new construction creeping up each year, but it is nowhere near the 2008 levels. I mean, it's still way far below that. And that's, again, because builders are playing it cautious. They don't want to run into a situation like they had, you know, in 2008 through 2000, really through 2012, 2013, where they would have homes that they'd build and then would just be sitting there for several years at times. Um, and then a lot of those builders went out of business. They, they couldn't pay their bills because they weren't moving any homes. They weren't able to, they, you know, they might have bought some land and then they couldn't build on that land. It, it was really a disaster. So they have played it really cautiously. Dr. Yoon is really hoping that builders become a little bit more bullish seeing the way the market is, seeing how uh, we have an inventory shortage basically nationwide. And he said that there is evidence uh, by way of the fact that, first off, um, there are more permits for new houses being pulled. Now, that's not specifically in our area. That was on the national level. But there are more houses, uh, more permits for new houses, new construction being pulled. And that's evidence to him that builders are ramping up some of their production. That's great. Um, he also said they're s- seeing signs that um, some of uh, the older population this year decided to play it safe and cautious and didn't move because of COVID. And he believes that next year there is going to be a little bit, I mean, it won't be a dramatic influx, but a little bit of an influx of some of the older population that's looking to downsize or whatever the case may be enter the market and and put their home on the market and that that will help some of these inventory issues uh, that we're running into and that that again that we'll see uh, more homes come on the market and hopefully that will help housing affordability but new construction is a big part of it because what happens when people are looking to you know, most people when they buy their first home it usually has to be a little bit of an older home maybe a little bit of a fixer upper whatever the case may be. And for a lot of people, that second home is a new build for them. It's new construction. They, they are now established. They have some money. And so they're able to purchase that new construction. And then they put their home on the market as well, which then becomes available to perhaps a, a first-time home buyer again. Um, and so it really helps. New construction helps to ease some of the inventory issues in multiple ways, uh, just the way the, the market works. 
Um, he spoke briefly about the new administration, one thing that he thought was a positive for the Biden administration, and one thing he thought was a negative. Um, the positive was that um, he said that uh, the Biden administration is talking about perhaps doing some down payment assistance, particularly for families that would are, are trying to get out of the rent cycle, trying to move from being renters to first-time home buyers. Perhaps even something to the effect of like a $15,000 um, down payment closing cost assistance type of program. Um, there's a lot yet to, there, there's more questions than answers on that, but um, he was very interested in that. The National Association of Realtors is going to be very involved uh, with looking into that and, and communicating with the Biden team on that. Um he also had caution that the Biden team is talking about making major changes to the 1031 exchange, which I'm not going to talk about here. First off, I'm not an expert in that. You need to talk to a 1031 intermediary about that um, or an accountant, and I'm happy to uh, refer you to either of those if you would like to communicate with them. I know 1031 intermediaries, that will do a free consult. Um but um, the 1031 exchange is a way for you to uh, sell real estate, buy other real estate in a short time period that all of this is investment real estate, of course, and you don't pay capital gains tax. You defer that capital gains tax. You might have to pay it later. But right at the moment, when you do those two transactions close to each other, you don't have to pay the capital gains. Now, if you're an owner occupant, you don't have that issue anyway because that's that's weighed for owner occupants. But for investors, the 1031 exchange is an important strategy. And I've had investor clients that have have done deals strictly because of the 1031 exchange. I've had closings directly related to this. And apparently Biden is uh kicking around the idea of potentially even eliminating that tax strategy altogether. Um, obviously, Dr. Yoon was was not very happy with that at all, and he he said that the National Association of Realtors would be fighting on behalf of uh, all of us, <laughs> all of us that benefit from this, to to make sure that um, that that doesn't get eliminated because that that would really mess up a lot of people's long term tax strategies if they did that. Um, so that's pretty much it in terms of of my takeaways from. Um, from that meeting. It was a really great meeting. Um, Dr. Yoon's very knowledgeable, a big asset to the NAR. Um, I already referenced that how pending sales in our area are up. If we can pivot here to local Greater Greenville Association stats, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. Um, but yes, pending sales, uh, it's, it's really remarkable what's happened. I mean, the recovery that we have made um, June, July, August, September were massive months. Even October, there were more pending sales year-on-year uh, year versus October of 19. Um, November says it was down, but again, that will be redacted, I'm sure, next month. And probably November was was comparable, if not up year-on-year year based on uh, what I saw happening. Um, and so that's all good. Closed sales, up. 9.7% year-on-year. That is, again, just an incredible number, and that's probably lower as well. I, I imagine that that will be um, edited a little bit next month. 
Um, we are seeing, I, I never, I never expected this. I really thought when COVID hit that, um, it would just, uh, not bring real estate to a halt, but just, it, you know, there was a stretch where like no homes were coming on the market and where nobody really knew what was going to happen. And that changed very quickly. And here we are towards the end of the year looking back and it's like, wow, that was uh, a really incredible year of real estate and um and as a realtor i'm i'm really grateful for that one of the most shocking statistics um and this is one that usually is pretty accurate uh for the trailing month is the days on market until sale for november was um i believe this is the lowest i've ever seen it was 38 days so our to to bring perspective our typical average around here for days on market until sale, which is defined in these uh, GGAR statistics as the average number of days between when a property is listed and when an offer is accepted in a given month. So this isn't when it closes. This is when an offer is accepted. The average uh, is usually between 53 and 54 days. Now, that's skewed a little bit by the the homes that are priced on the higher end tend to take a lot longer. Homes priced, you know, on the lower end of the spectrum below 250,000 usually take way, way less time than this. But just looking at the metadata, the average is 54 to 53-ish days um, for two for two years now. That's been pretty consistent. And in November, it was 38 days. So, so not homes that were listed... Um, in the months of October and November, we're selling very, very quickly compared to the average. Um, and and we're lo- I'm looking here at the historical number uh, going all the way back to 2007. That is the lowest number that has ever been on this chart. And I, I don't have any data be- uh, before 2007. So um, we're seeing homes selling faster than they ever have homes going under contract faster than they ever have which is very interesting the uh, median sales price um, in october it was at 244 and it stayed about the same in november 243 and um, that compares to november of 2019 it was 215 so that is a tremendous uptick we talk about this the the median sales price uh, tends to be a little bit more of an accurate gauge than the average sales price for for what the average in our area is because the median looks at the middle number in the sequence versus just taking the average, which can be skewed by really low numbers or really high numbers. In our case, it's skewed by really high numbers because the average in our area for November was uh, was 296.5. Um, so 243.00. That was the average. That is a uh, that was the median. That was a thirteen percent increase over twenty nineteen when when it was two fifteen. So that's um, again showing you the uh, local appreciation here is is really incredible. Those are the two highest months. The past two months have been the two highest months in the history. You know since this has been tracked by the GGAR. So. Um, no big, no big surprise there, but again, we're not seeing any sign of uh, of appreciation uh, of homes prices depreciating in any way. 
I, I remember at the beginning of this year, I had some clients that that uh, investor clients that were like, "Do you think that you know that homes uh, are going to depreciate in value? Do you think we're going to see you know something happen like what happened in 2008?" And I didn't know at that time, but it's pretty clear now. No way, we saw the exact opposite. Um, home prices have just gone berserk this year. Um, the percent of list price received. This is also the highest that it's ever been. This is a metric where they they it's it's kind of a flawed, in my opinion, a flawed metric. But they take the most recent list price of the home. So this can be after price changes, but they take the most recent list price. Don't account for any seller concessions like closing costs paid or warranties uh, that the seller pays for or anything like that. But what percentage of the current list price did, or the 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 last list price did the home sell for? Um, and that number for the month of November was the highest ever, ninety eight point eight percent. And that's pretty much uh, all year. It's been in the high ninety eights. But 98.8 is the highest ever. Um, last November, it was 98.1. So again, we're seeing increases there as well. Housing affordability, um, not surprisingly, when you see all these things at their highest points ever, housing affordability is at its lowest point ever. We are at uh, a 97 on the uh, housing affordability index. That means that um, the median household, um, well, I'll just read it to you. This index measures housing affordability for the region. For example, an index of 120 means the median household income is 120% of what is necessary for the median price home under prevailing interest rates. A higher number means greater affordability. So right now, the median household income is only 97% of what is necessary for the median priced home under prevailing interest rates. So the median uh, family, so to speak, based on income, um, is not able to afford the median priced home. And uh, this year is the first year in the history that they've tracked that, that that's happened in Greenville. So that's that's unfortunate. This is why we need more builders to build. We need for people to be able to to afford a an average home if they have an average income. We don't, we don't want people um, to be left behind. Um, inventory, um, I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get into uh, super heavily into inventory. We know that inventory is a big problem. We already know that. Um, the past several months it's been down in the low twos, which again, records. Um, it says that November was 2.8, which would be uh, below the 3.2 of last November of 2019. but I suspect that that number is also too high based on uh, them having uh, some data that's a little bit behind. I suspect that number is probably in the low twos. So we're probably looking at um, you know almost an entire month supply difference. What that means is uh, if no more homes came on the market, uh, it would take roughly two and a half months for all the homes to get sold. For those of you that are new that, that haven't listened to some of my other podcasts, we consider a uh, a fair market, neither a buyer's market, neither a seller's market, to be six months inventory. That's generally speaking what people consider it at. When it's below six months, it is a 
squarely a seller's market. When it's above six months, it is squarely a buyer's market. So when you're in the low twos, low to mid twos, that is a major seller's market. Um, it's been in the threes for a really long time, and then this year it went into the twos. Um, so we are seeing a seller's market like, honestly, uh, we've never seen before. That seems like that is going to continue. Again, the only way that changes, the only way that changes right now, at least in our area, is A, if a major recession hits, that really impacts our area. COVID was not that, as we discussed before, based on what Dr. Yoon said. Or, secondly, um, the other possibility is just that if ramp it gets ramped up in terms of uh, new home construction, and we're all waiting on that to happen as well uh, up to this point. Um, you know, we are seeing new construction. Is it enough? Is it what we need to to really ease the uh, housing affordability and whatnot? Uh, probably not. You know, we're, we're not going to see a buyer's market anytime soon. That is not flipping. It's going to stay a seller's market, barring something really, really incredible, like a war or something like that, um, that directly impacts us here stateside. Um, I, I do not see uh, that changing anytime soon. That's it for today's episode. Again, my contact information is in the show notes. Please subscribe. Leave me a rating uh, for this podcast. Uh, leave us a review. I would appreciate any of that. In the meantime, I hope you guys stay safe. Um, I am going to try to do an episode over the holidays. Um, but if you guys have off next week, I hope you do enjoy that. And I hope you listen to our next episode. We're going to keep plowing through through the new year. Um, I enjoy doing this. I hope you guys enjoy it too. So until next time, stay safe and enjoy some time over the holidays with your loved ones. 